Good morning. If you would, please open your Bibles to Genesis 7. We're going to talk on the flood today. Please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. It's nice to have the rain, though, is it? It's nice to have the rain. Okay. So uh, I was a little convicted this week. Um, I, I wanted to share with you. I was convicted out of a, a, a verse in Romans. And uh, I'm not real sure it has anything to do with the sermon. But... Needless to say, it's in Romans chapter 1, and uh, I was driving home from work, and I was, uh, you know, once you kind of hit where the nugget is, I start praying a lot, because you got four lanes that come into two, so I start praying, but this is the verse that I was really convicted with. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So that was the verse I was really convicted with. And what I was convicted with was, do I believe what I really believe? Do you really believe what you really believe? Do we really believe that the power of God is in a message? And if we truly believe that, then how come we don't speak it? Maybe it's not because we truly believe that that power is there. Maybe we believe that we have to have something else accompany it. But I was just really convicted with that. And it kind of draws into the sermon with the same thing. God has given us the power to walk in a worthy way. And so with that, let's pray and then we'll, we'll, we'll finish what I started last week. Father, I just thank you that we can come and, and worship, worship you in song. Lord, that we can lift our voices to you and praise you, that we can behold our King. Father, thank you for such talented musicians, Lord, that we can sing these songs to you. Thank you that we can come and worship you, Father, in our giving as we give back to you what you so graciously and abundantly give us during the week. And Father, I pray now as we come that our worship would be uplifting and glorifying to you, Father, in the preaching of your word. Lord, I pray that I would not be heard, but you would be heard, that your voice would be heard, that you would take your word and convict your people and draw your people to you that you would encourage your people through your word. And that whether we teach or we preach, we would be eclipsed and Christ would be seen as head of all things. So Lord, glorify your son today in all that we say and we do. And we ask this in your name. Amen. So last week what we looked at is we looked at this worthy walk that that, that Paul is calling us to do. He's calling us in, 
in 4, 1 through 6. And essentially in uh, chapters 4 through 6, he's calling us to this walk, as, as we'll see this, this worthy walk. And we have to understand, we've got to remember, just some of you guys that, that weren't here last week, that this word worthy, this word worthy, it's, it's where we get our, our word scales from, you know, to, to the, the, the scales. And so what he's saying is that because of everything Christ has done in, in Ephesians 1 through 3, our, our, our lives should, should be to that, that level, that scale, should balance out the scales. And he's going to tell us in, in chapters 4 through 6 what that now looks like. So last week we, we, we looked at how uh, a worthy walk is, is, a, is, a, is a, a walk that begins with a calling. Like Jesus has called us to himself. And that flows into a walk of humility, where we are to be humble, we are to be lowly. Uh, and, uh, and our ultimate example of that was Jesus himself. He is the one, ultimately, that we look at for humility. And then we looked at gentleness, how we're to be kind with each other, we're to be meek with each other, we're not to be avenging or self-driven or vengeful or or self-defensive, but we're to be gentle and kind with each other. And this gentle person, if we looked at last week and remember last week, understands uh, the lost, has a, has a love for the lost. And so today as we, we dig in, we're going to look at the next virtue or the next characteristic that, that, that Paul tells us that we are to uh, be, um, be examples of knowing that we can't do this perfectly. As, I, as we looked out last week, that if you're, you're looking for the example of, of humility and you're looking for the example of gentleness, don't look at me. But if you want to look at uh, an example of pridefulness and harshness, then yes, you can look at me. Because I find that more in my life than I see this humility and, and gentleness. And so that's something you can pray for me weekly daily, please, that I would be humble and I would be gentle and that we would pray for that with each other. And, and now he, we bring into the, this third one that we would be patient. We would be patient with each other. Look at uh, 4, verse, verse 2 of chapter 4. Paul says this, uh, that we walk in a calling to which we have been called with all humility and gentleness with patience. We are to have Patience, we, we, we see throughout the Bible, we, we see men of patience, right? We see Abraham was patient. God comes and tells him he's going to have a son. And when he turns roughly 100 years old, he has a son. All of us are looking here going, 100 years old, I do not want a son. <laughs> but he was patient. God says that Abraham's going to be a great nation. Abraham never really saw that come to fruition, but he was patient. Moses, Moses endured hardship with his people. He was patient to endure that hardship with his people instead of all the luxuries of Egypt. And plus, if we look at Moses as he leads the Israelites in the wilderness, he was patient with them. Did he get frustrated with them? Yeah, a l- little bit. You know, he hit the rock a couple of times when he's only supposed to hit it once. And, but he was patient with him. And again, we, 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 we see these examples of patience. Paul was patient with believers. Paul was patient with them. And this word patient can be, tra- can, can be uh, translated long-tempered. 
How many of us are short-tempered? Fly off the handle really easy. You know, just like, boom, there we are, right? But it means long-tempered. It means long-suffering. And even this week, how many of you ask God, you know, pray for patience. Pray for me that I would have patience. Has anybody else said that prayer besides me? But we pray for patience. Maybe it's we pray for patience dealing with a family member. Maybe it's dealing with a coworker, dealing with your boss, dealing with a negative situation, things that aren't going your way. Maybe you need to be patient in those things. Maybe we need to be patient in dealing with our brother or sister in Christ. We have to understand one thing. Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus. He's writing to believers at Ephesus. And so what he is challenging them to do and he's encouraging them to do is to walk this way with each other. So yes, we are to be humble with each other. We are to be gentle with each other. And yes, we are to be patient with each other. We are to have patience with each other. The believer is to not only be patient with each other, but the believer is to be patient with all men, everyone we come in contact with. 1 Thessalonians 5.14, Paul writes this, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. We're to be patient with all people. And this puts Christ on display. This puts him on glorious display. The patient believer accepts the will of God without grumbling or complaining. I'm just looking around to see if anybody's like, I got that one. I got that one down. No grumbling or complaining. Philippians 2.14, do all things without grumbling or disputing. And then he tells us why. That you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Brothers and sisters, when we are patient with all men and we accept God's will as it comes without grumbling or complaining, we shine as lights in a crooked and perverse world. We again put Christ on display. Christ is seen when we are patient and we do all things without grumbling or complaining. And this, this even flows into our gifting with each other, the gifting in the church. We, we talked a little bit about it in the, in the church membership. But we, we, we have this gifting where, where God has gifted each one of us. And some gifts are visible, teaching, preaching. Those are gifts that are visible. And then there's gifts that aren't visible. Maybe the person that cleans the church. Maybe the person that scrubs the toilets. Maybe the person who's hospitable. But we are to be patient within our gifting with each other. We are to accept the gifting that God gives us, even if it is not glorious gift, because it comes from a glorious giver. Listen to 1 Peter 4.10. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. This is, this is a beautiful verse because it says, as each has received a gift. That means if you are a believer in Christ, if Christ has saved you, if you repented of your sin and you are following him, that means, guess what? You have a gift. And that gift is not to be selfishly yours. 
It's for each and every one of us. We'll see that in, in uh, Ephesians 4, 4, 11 through like 14 or 15, where, where Paul's going to say what the, the gifting of the, the pastor and the teachers are, what they're to be. But we all have a gift that we're to use with each other. Be long-suffering with each other in our gifting. And again, Jesus is the ultimate example of patience. He's the ultimate example of patience. We, we all fail. We all fall so short. We all are short-tempered. We all are, at times, we're, 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 we're prideful and we're arrogant and we're boastful. And yet Jesus is very patient with us. He is long-suffering with us. This is our Savior, and this is who we are to emulate. Brothers and sisters, when we emulate patience, we see that we have an understanding of what the gospel is really all about. We understand that. Fourth, not only are we to be humble and gentle and patient, but we are to bear with one another in love. Look at verse 2 again. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. This bearing is to endure with each other patiently. We're to endure with each other patiently. And this love, this love is the, can tell me what the love is? The word? It's the agape love, right? It's the agape love. Does anybody else know another word for love that's in the Bible? other than agape? What is it? Phileo. What's that love? That's a brotherly love, right? That's a brotherly love. That's not what he's talking about here. He is talking about an agape love that we bear with one another in love with this agape love. It's a choice. It's a choice love. It's a love that is driven with devotedness. It's a love that's driven with commitment to each other. In spite of each other, we choose to love each other. It is not based on attraction or emotion, but it's a love that is committed to each other. This is what he's saying to the church at Ephesus, and this is what he says to Faith Bible Church. He says, Faith Bible Church, bear with one another in love. Be committed to each other. Be devoted to each other. That's what he's telling us. We are to do this because it does what it covers a multitude of sin. Listen to Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. When we love one another, it 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 covers a multitude of sin. This this kind of love, it takes a wrong that has been done against you and continues to love even when those wrongs are done. Even when those wrongs are done. Listen to Luke 6, 27 through 31. But I say to you, here, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. From one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away from your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. So it takes a wrong in. And this is wrongs outside, 
and wrongs within. We don't always get along with each other, do we? We're going to have people within the church that rub us the wrong way. That's just how it works because we are not perfect people. I'm going to rub somebody the wrong way. Maybe all of you the wrong way. I don't know. But that's going to happen. But we're to love each other in spite of those things. We're to love each other when somebody says something wrong about you or somebody just doesn't like you. You are to continue to love them. That's this whole passage in Luke 6, 27 through 31. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, love your enemies. When they are continually your enemy, when someone continually uh, doesn't care for you, you are to continually love them. And he keeps on going. Do good to those who hate you. The one who continually hates you, you are to continually do good to. That's what we are to do. We're to continually do these things. To those who curse you, you're to continually bless. This is a worthy walk, brothers and sisters. When we continually bless those who curse us and we continually pray for those who abuse us. This is a worthy walk. This is putting Christ on display. Just read the Gospels and see what Jesus does. It's not what would Jesus do. It's what did Jesus do. That's what we do. We emulate him. That's what Paul says. Imitate me because I imitate Christ. When we walk in a manner worthy of our calling and we bear with one another in love, we walk like Christ does and we love like Christ loved. That's what he tells us to do. Loving each other with a devoted love. We're to have a devoted, committed love. 1 Corinthians 13, we know this passage. 4 through 7, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. Think about it when I read this. Think about, is this your love for your congregation? Is this your love for each other? Is your love patient? Is your love kind? Does it not envy or boast? It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not about you. It's not irritable. Oh, I got to go to their house for dinner. I don't even like what they feed me. Right? It's not irritable. Can you believe what Jenny said? And it's not irritable. Yeah, how about that, parents? You ever get irritated with your kids? I know I do, right, Joe? (laughs) It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but it rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Love never fails. Yes, amen. We are to love each other, brothers and sisters, with a devoted love. Turn to Romans chapter 9. Turn to Romans chapter 9. This is another another toughie. All this should be tough because we need the Spirit to... Romans chapter 12, sorry. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Here's what the apostle says. Let love be genuine. You know what that means? 
that means our love is not to be fake. It's not a fake love. It's not hugging somebody and in the meantime stabbing him in the back. Oh, I love you. That's not genuine love. Paul says, let our love be genuine. Brothers and sisters, Christ's love for you and I is very real. Let our love for each other be very real. And this is how he says to do it, right? Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affections. Outdo one another in showing honor. Are we, is, that, is that how we are when we love each other, when we're bearing with each other? Are we trying to outdo each other with love and honor for each other? Or are we trying to boast ourselves up? We're trying to put ourselves up. We're trying to put ourselves up. Go to Jeremiah 45. This just popped into my head. This is for anybody that does any kind of ministry or any type of stuff. Jeremiah 45. Here's what verse 5 says. I shared this with, with, with Chad last week. And do you seek great things for yourself? You see, when we're humble and when we're gentle and when we're patient and we're bearing with one another in love, that verse will not be us. And you, are you seeking great things for yourself? See, when, when, when Christ truly dwells in us, we will seek great things him because he is the one who is to be greatly exalted so when we do this when you and i manifest these virtues these characteristics in our lives towards each other then verse three comes in we will be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace we'll be eager to do that maintain hear what it says maintain the unity of the spirit the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace when we're, when we're exhibiting these four virtues. Finally, last point, a worthy walk is united with the Trinity. United in oneness. Listen to verses 4 through 6 of Ephesians 4. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. A lot of ones there, but it's just one. It's one. So first of all, brothers and sisters, we have one body. We are one body, one universal body. Our, our, our Nicene Creed says... One Catholic and apostolic church. Catholic, universal. If you were at the Sunday school, you know that. It's a universal church. This is what Paul's talking about. It's one body. The church, universal, where Jesus is the head. Romans 12.4. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same functions. But we are one body. Colossians 1.18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. We have one body, and Christ is the head of that body. 
universal body. This is what Paul is talking about. There's one body. Now, there are local churches that are church bodies. Christ still is the head of that, too. But we are one universal body with one spirit. One spirit, the Holy Spirit, who dwells in every believer, whom we are sealed with. We're sealed with this, with this spirit. Ephesians 1.13, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. There is one spirit. And with this one spirit, the spirit dwelling within us, the spirit teaching us, the Spirit controlling us, if we, if we walk controlled by the Spirit, He opens our eyes to the one hope. To one hope. This is the hope of eternal life, brothers and sisters. This is the hope of the glorious return of Jesus Christ. This is where he points our eyes, to that hope, to a heavenly hope, right? We had a heavenly calling. We have a heavenly hope to this return of Jesus Christ. One hope, Titus 1, 1 and 2. Paul, a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. This is the hope of eternal life. Can God do anything? Or is God limited by some things he can't do? Tell me one thing God can't do. He can't lie. We just read it. He can't lie. So this is the hope, right? There's the thing. I love how Paul put that in there. In hope of eternal life, which God who never lies. That's the hope. We have the hope of eternal life, this one hope that the Spirit testifies to us because God doesn't lie, and God says this is the hope. So hope in that. Hope in that. Titus 2.13, waiting for our blessed hope. That's Jesus, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is that where our affections are? Is that where your affections are daily? Are you waking up waiting for that hope? Is your heart bursting for that hope, waiting for that glorious appearing of Jesus Christ? Because it could happen anytime. Pete and Carla, you might not get to Texas. You might get to heaven, but you might not get to Texas, you know, because it can happen at any time. Are you excited for the glorious appearing of Jesus Christ? because we'll be with him, because we are his bride. This is the hope, brothers and sisters, that we have. We should have this in common, just not here at Faith Bible, but we should have this in common with every believer. We should have that in common, that we are one body and one spirit with one hope and one Lord. Not many lords, one Lord. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. And one faith, right? One Lord, Jesus Christ, and, our, and the object of our faith is the one Lord. That is the object of that faith, is Jesus Christ. Is he the object of your faith? One baptism. This here is speaking about uh, uh, the, the physical baptism. We, 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 we saw, we read a ton of verses on the baptism today. I, I really don't think I need to read another one if you're in Sunday school, but we will. Romans 6, 3, and 4. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? 
We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in this newness of life. But that's what we do. We are, we are baptized. We have one baptism. And that's our confession, right? When we, when we come down, we are, we are confessing that we are dead in Christ and we are raised with Christ to new life. And that new life, brothers and sisters, is the one faith and the one Lord. That new life reflects the one hope. And it loves the one body. This word is. And not only that, but we have one God and Father of all. One God and Father of all. It's the one God who is sovereign over all things. He's in control of all things. He's in control of your health. He's in control of your wealth. He's in control of the weather. He's in control of, uh, Job says, I love this, he says that God commands the lightning to strike the mark. And I'm glad I'm not the mark. But he commands it to strike the mark. When we sit outside and we see this spectacular lightning show, God commands the lightning. And the lightning comes to him. Job says that. The lightning comes to him and he tells it where to go, where to strike. He is a sovereign God. He's in control of all things, and you're his child. He is one God. He's all-powerful. He's all-powerful. There's nothing that he cannot do to change in your life. He's all-powerful, and he is everywhere present. That's what Paul said. He is one God and Father of all who's over all. He is sovereign, and he is through all. He is omnipotent or all-powerful, and he is in all. He is omnipresent. For he is present right here, right now, with us today. Hebrews says it this way, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is always with you. Brothers and sisters, this is the motivation that we have with one body and one spirit and one hope and one Lord and one faith and one baptism and one God and Father of us all to live humbly, gently, patiently, and bearing with one another in love. This is the unity of the church. This is the unity of Faith Bible Church. This is what we should all be striving to do. We should be striving to do these things. 1 Corinthians six or 8, 6 says this. Yet there is one God, the Father from whom are all things and from whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. I believe that we all have seen those in our lives who are very Christ-like, that we want to emulate. We see people in our lives, right, that, that, that sometimes when you have lunch with them, you're like, man, did I just have lunch with Jesus? Because they emulate Christ so well. You're like, wow, this person is Christ-like. And yet we've all seen those in the church, in the church, who are prideful, harsh, short-tempered, and self-centered in all that they do. And they show nothing of Christ-likeness. They show nothing of this. I've, I, I, I've, I, I've seen it and I've done it. I've done those things to people. I've done those things when I've been ministering to people or we've been, I, I, I've been in counseling sessions with people where I was prideful and I was harsh and I was short-tempered. Because it was all about me and my wisdom and what, and, and what it's all about. I was harsh with that. So I know it exists because I'm the one that's done it. But that's not how we're supposed to be. 
We're not supposed to be that way with brothers. Brothers and sisters, these are the virtues and characteristics that we are to have towards one another. Here at Faith Bible, you and I are to put Christ on glorious display by how we treat each other. So in closing, may you and I be strengthened in the inner man, right? Paul prays that, that we be strengthened in the inner man to have true affections for the gospel. And when we have true affections for the gospel, that will filter down into true affections with each other and we will live with each other in a gentle, patient, loving way because of the one God and Father who is over all things, in all things, and through all things. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word and thank you for this time. May we hold on to these truths, Lord. May we hold tightly to them that you would be glorified. Father, invade our hearts, invade our lives, disrupt our plans that we would be soft towards your plans. Show us much of Christ, Lord, that we would be a people that would walk in a manner worthy of the calling of what you have called us to. Amen. Now, please stand. This next